Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. We're reading from Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 6 through 26. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at them and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. On one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whose name was Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would become a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judah, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region, around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. That, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, 
for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Yeah, part of what the film Facing the Giants is about, it's about building up a good team. It's about leadership. It's about working together. It is a, you know, a Christian-themed movie, so we also find uh, elements of, of faith all throughout the film as well. Um, it's a great film to inspire faith. Uh, it's also it's a great football movie just in general as well. And so I think uh, most of us are fond of team building movies and shows. You know, when a, when a group of people, sometimes a strange mix, unique mix of people, they, they have to work together, um, you know, come together as a team and, and try to survive together. Perhaps it's, it's a football team. Perhaps it's like survive the jungle or space. Maybe it's a quest. But when we see people come together on mission, we like that. Because, you know, we don't want to watch movies where teams fall apart, when teams fail. Like, we, we don't want to watch that. Like, what if the Fellowship of the Ring disbanded right away? What if the Titans, and remember the Titans, decided to stay segregated? Or what if Jim Lovell of Apollo 13 decided not to tell Houston that they had a problem? You know, we don't want those stories because real life is already filled to the max with them. We, we already see enough stories of, of loneliness and lone rangers, stories of busyness and abandonment, apathy, despair, pride, people getting themselves uh, into problems and, and um, they, they don't ask for help and they just hurt others and et cetera, et cetera. Like we see enough of that in real life. And so we value and we are drawn to stories that involve community. When a collection of, of people go through the hard process of submitting to one another and they realize that they are better together. And you know what? We can link all of that right to the church because we're a community. We're a family that, that says, yes, stark, shallow individualism, that's not the way to go. We're a family. We're a spiritual family here. Now, Jess and I are coming up on seven years being here at Plymouth Meeting Church. Six of the last seven years, I've been involved in these discipleship programs, for lack of better words. Uh, we call them huddles, uh, where I work with pastoral candidates coming into the EC Church, or at least they're trying to figure out if, if that is their pathway. So six of the last seven years, I've been involved on the denominational side of things in these discipleship huddles. Uh, also in my um, you know, personal life here in Plymouth Meeting, um, a good chunk of those years, I went up to Harleysville. There's a restaurant called the Energy Station. They have great food up there. I, I met up with two other EC pastors, and we huddled. We, we talked about life and, and work and church and all of that. Discipleship huddles, breaking eggs together. I had the opportunity to speak at a discipleship workshop. And even in my current experiences, over the last year and a half, I'm so grateful to hang out with a friend about once a week to do discipleship, to, to talk about life, to talk about what's going on. You know, in my experience with discipleship, a fundamental tool that I use often is called up, in, and out. It's a diagram that represents 
three core relationships that Jesus attended to. And we're going to talk about that today. It is a tool that, that helps us stay, to stay balanced in, in life. Because we don't want to wobble. We don't want to be wobbly humans, wobbly Christians. And so up, in, and out. It's a tool that can be applied to our personal life, our family life, and also church life, the institutional church as well. And so today, I have, I have two main goals for us today. As we think about working together as a team, working together as a team, and then we also kind of just talk about and think about discipleship today. The two main goals of this sermon, one is to show you some of the Jesus-shaped structure that goes on behind the scenes of, of how we organize our, our church ministry. Jesus didn't leave us a parliamentary book on how church life and gatherings and, and how everything's supposed to, to operate. You know, there's no church treasurer manual in the Bible. I haven't found it yet. What we do have, though, are principles. We have, we have, we have Jesus, his rhythms, his patterns. We, we have the, the principles, these universal values and patterns that can be applied into any particular culture. And so I want us to consider the patterns of Jesus today. And we're going to be using Luke chapter 6. Now, a second goal that I uh, would like to achieve today is I just want everyone to, uh, to be open to listening to what God is saying today to you uh, in, in this framework. Uh, listen, listening to God for the next appropriate step that perhaps he wants you to take in the life of this, of this church. So here's an outline of what we'll get into today. We are going to talk about up and out, these three uh, core dimensions or relationships that, that Jesus emphasized, up time with the Father, in time with his disciples, out with the world. Again, we'll get there in a second. We're going to briefly consider the consequence of, okay, what if we don't pay attention to these relationships? What if we get out of balance? And then finally, we'll just end with some encouragement and a, and a call to action. Sound good? Amen. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Luke chapter 6 is where we're at today. Luke chapter 6. And we're actually going to start with, with Luke, uh, Luke 6 verse 12. All right, so this is early in, in Jesus' ministry. And already Jesus is dealing with some opposition. And we see that religious leaders, they're, they're getting together, they're trying to figure out how can they can Jesus? How can they uh, get him off the radar, off the map? They want to squelch his, his ministry. And so in, in this scene here, after having some opposition, Jesus, he climbs a mountain. He climbs a mountain specifically to, to pray. And we see this pattern often with, with Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness places, the lonely places, the deserted places. You get the picture. It's like he, he wants to get away from the system, the people, the machine. He's breaking away to have time with God. Mark chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000 plus, that's a big day of ministry. What does Jesus do? He goes up to a mountain for prayer. In Luke chapter 9, where does the transfiguration story take place? It takes place on a mountain. Specifically, they went up to that mountain for a time of prayer. 
So you guys get the, the patterns here, the, the rhythms. Jesus broke away to hang out with his father. Now, he also uh, hung out at synagogues, too. We know that Jesus was plugged in to that, uh, to that communal worship life as well. So again, what pattern emerges from the life of Jesus? Well, we see a Jesus who intentionally connects with the Father on a regular basis. I really like how author Mike Breen uh, puts it. He says, Jesus inhaled his Father's presence so that he could exhale his Father's will. Do you feel that like that intimacy of, of connecting with God and then just being able to like step and move forward and execute what God is calling you to do. Jesus spends time with his father. And so in discipleship language, we call this uptime. As an uptime with the father. And here at Plymouth Meaning Church, we emphasize both individual and corporate time with God the father. And really it's about intimacy. It's, it's to know the deep, deep love of God. In relationship, we come before God and we express our praises and our, our thanksgivings. And, and we think about the cross, the, the message of the cross. It's where we find salvation and, and healing and, and redemption. The curse is overturned and, and we receive blessings. We, we have forgiveness and we repent and we change our mind. And there's also washing. We are washed clean and set right. Uptime is also about engaging in the life of the, the Spirit, seeking out wisdom and counsel, with reverence, seeking out that discernment from God. Hanging out with God is, is also a time where we, we can just hang out in His Word. We can be nourished. It's about identity formation. God, speak, speak over me. Remind me who you are, remind me who I am. We also sing. And then there's other uh, artistic expressions of, of worship. And it's also a time for intercession. where we, we bring things to God. We lay things out before God. Please, Father, sort this out. Here it is. Or I'm praying on behalf of this person. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for the world. I'm praying for the government, etc. Up time. It's abiding in God, abiding in Christ, in the life of the Spirit. It's going to Jesus and learning to take up his yoke. And as we learn from Jesus, we learn how to walk how he walks. And so stemming from this here at Plymouth Meeting Church, we have a commission that helps administrate and care for our uptime with God. We're not going to get into the nitty gritty of what our commissions do today. Okay, we're not going to we're not going to do that. We're not going to bore you that way. But today is simply about showing you the orientation, the heartbeat, the framework behind some of the things that that we do. So, worship planning they they help help us face in the right direction, help us set with, with an orientation. Hey, are we abiding in? Are we listening to? Are we seeking out the voice of the Father? Are we listening in? Are we praying? Are we worshiping? Again, just that orientation. 
Luke chapter 6, Jesus spends the whole night in prayer. And if you wonder what Jesus was probably praying about, we get the answer in the next verse. He was praying about what disciples to take into his inner circle. And so after praying all night, he calls his students around himself. And Luke is the only gospel account author here who who frames it up like this, that, that Jesus has a larger pool of disciples... Okay, he has a larger group of disciples, and the 12 come out of that larger group. And so with calculation, after praying all night, Jesus, he elects 12 men to be his official inner circle. And they're going to be more than students. They're going to be more than disciples. They are apostles, meaning they are representing Jesus. So we see Jesus, he's, he's going to multiply himself now. So let's just take a step back here in the story, Luke chapter 6. As we've already mentioned earlier, Jesus is facing opposition here. His opposition is trying to figure out how they can kick Jesus out of of the way. In, in, In contrast, Jesus is setting up a new family around himself. He's inviting others to join in with his purpose and mission. And he's going to invest in his inner circle. And so in discipleship language, we call this in. These are the people that you invest in. These are 12 ordinary men. We know four of them were fishermen. One of them was this revolutionary, anti-Roman government guy, Simon. There's also a tax collector. We're unsure of, of the others, what they were up to, who they were. But this is what we do know. In relationship... Jesus is going to invest in them. He's going to train them, equip them. He's going to show them how to do the things that he does. And a really important word here is apprenticeship. He's going to walk with them. He's going to show them how to do this. So here at Plymouth Meeting Church, there's two commissions that help us orient ourselves in this in this way. We have Christian growth and church life. Christian growth and church life. Both are about building up. Both are about building up, but they just take two different approaches here. Christian growth is about education, spiritual formation. Church life is about hospitality and loving relationships and, and things like that. It's about community. Are we building each other up, either spiritually or, or in relationship, helping one and out, lending a hand to one another? How is our community following Jesus together? Now, Jesus didn't write a textbook. However, if you think about it, the 12 are kind of like his, his book, the 12 disciples. You know, at, at, at some risk, can I say that his that the twelve are his legacy, his ongoing legacy of reproducing missional disciples? Okay, the, he, the church. These guys are going to multiply themselves. They're going to pass on the good news. They're going to tell people about Jesus. The disciples are going. They're they're learning learning how to do what Jesus did, and they're going to teach others how to do it. Part of that definitely includes reaching out to the world. 
In Luke chapter 6, we see Jesus came down off the mountain and he was standing on a level place with his disciples. And there's other scenes in the Bible where Jesus sees crowds and he is filled with compassion. He's moved with compassion. So there's a crowd there and they're diverse. They're from, they're from all over the place, different people, different people from all over the place. They're there to hear Jesus. And they're there to be healed by Jesus. Jesus spoke like nobody else. He spoke with authority. It was different. It was fresh. It was amazing. Who doesn't want to hear Jesus? Jesus is also a miracle worker. Because he's God. And he's bringing forth the kingdom of God. And you can't have sick people in the kingdom of God. So absolutely, Jesus is going to heal people. And so Jesus is oriented to the outside world, so to speak. You know, in discipleship language, we call this out as an outreach. Jesus reaches out to teach and to care and to comfort, to feed and to heal. And so in this summary sentence statement by Luke, Jesus is able to meet their needs. And I don't see uh, any implication that Jesus like tiptoed or, or walked on eggshells here. You know, if you were tormented by a demon, Jesus did an exorcism. If you had a messed up throat and you had a hard time swallowing, Jesus untangled that for you. If you had really long, nasty toenails, Jesus would give you toenail clippers. <laughs> he might even clip them for you. Like, like Jesus is the meter of needs. All right, Jesus loved people, met their needs with no agenda, no qualifications, Yes, you're reaching out in faith. Absolutely, I'm here for you. Jesus meets the needs of people, what they need, where they are. But here's the thing, there, there is more. And that's, 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 a, that's a side of the gospel we, we want to be clear on. That like, The gospel is always good news. The good news will never stop being good news. And there's always more. There's always more to share. Not in a bait and switch kind of way. But, it, but it's like this. The, the good news is, hey, if you like getting lined up and, and, and you're, you're, you want to be served, you want to be healed, you want to hear a good message. If you like this, if you want to hear this stuff, there's actually more for you to consider. There's something bigger than all of us put together. It's the kingdom of God. And looking at Luke chapter 6, um, you know, more thoroughly again, or kind of broadly here. It, after those healings, Jesus took that opportunity to show them that there's more. He took that opportunity to preach about the kingdom of God. Jesus invites them to consider the reality of the kingdom. He shares kingdom attitudes, warnings to the self-sufficient, the radical call to love your enemies. Not being a judgy person. You know, Jesus, Jesus takes that opportunity to point them to good news. Dr. Daryl Bach puts it this way. God heals and gives graciously. But a walk with God involves serving God. A person comes to God not just to receive from him, but to respond to him. And so being out is to be a tangible witness that points people to God and his good news. 
It's where we, we invite others to consider the reality of the kingdom. And sometimes what that looks like is you're able to just plant one seed at a time. And so here at Plymouth Meeting Church, we have a group called Community Connections. That's what we decided to, to name it a number of years ago. Community Connections. Is our orientation outward? You know, that, that, that missionary zeal, that, that evangelical impulse that we have. Hey, are we oriented out towards the world? Jesus spent time with the Father. He spent time with his disciples. And he also spent time, he reached out to the world. Now here at Plymouth Meeting Church, we also have a building that we own and a property. So we can't forget about building and property commission, kind of self-explanatory here. They, they help us make sure we have a clean and safe operating building. Thank you for all those who, who work hard at keeping the boiler running, keeping weeds pulled and windows clean, and et cetera, et cetera. Thank you all. We, are we stewards of this property here in Plymouth Meeting. So we have that commission as well. Commercial plug right now, this Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m., is a work day to, to take care of our place. All right? uh, the, the church of yesteryear has built this place. We own it. We're not in any debt. This is our house. This is our building, and we take care of it. So up, in, and out. A simple framework. Patterns of Jesus. He spent time with God the Father. He invested in his, his inner circle. But he was also oriented out as well. And so now I just want to take a few moments uh, to briefly consider the, the consequences of, you know, what if, what if we only focus on two of these dimensions? And this is uh, borrowed... Um, from, from Mike Breen, um, an author that I like to, to read. And I, I invite you to, to use your imaginations now. We're just going to consider three wobbly churches. What if we have a church that focuses on in and up, but they don't really get out much? All right? This is your insulated church. The church bubble. Inspirational worship and powerful preaching. And man, can they, can they do a good Bible study? Um, small groups. But then engagement. You know, outsiders trying to get in. It seems like it's, it's harder to get in a little bit. And because out is deficient. One of the dangers in this wobbly church. Is that a fortress mentality forms. Right? Again, that insulated church. And up, uppies and innies, they, they might have a misunderstanding of what mission is or what missionaries do. Or perhaps they have more of this like 1800s definition of a missionary. You know, um, a guy with a, a fancy hat and a big mustache with a machete going through a jungle. You know, that's what missionaries are. You know, so, something to consider. Don't want to spend a, a lot of time on these, but... Next is, what if a church is up and out, but they lack in? All right. This is your 
This is a, a church that is busy, most likely, but it's very lonely. It's a busy loneliness here. Again, emphasis on worship and preaching and, and reaching out. And perhaps they're just so good at plugging into soup kitchens and, and, and picking up sticks in the neighborhood and raking leaves and all of that. They're, they're engaged in the community. They're able to give money and, and, and raise funds and all of that. But there is something, even though they do that together, there's something core uh, that is missing. It's their end time. They don't really have a sense of community. Investment in one another. And again, the limited personal building each other up, each uh, one another up in Christ. That, that, that is deficient. And so sometimes what, what forms in this wobbly church is like your Lone Ranger type of ministry worker. You feel disconnected. And then finally, in and out, but no up. This wobbly church is a powerless church. Somehow they have a strong sense of community. There, there's some sort of value or values that hold them together. They can move with a purpose. They do amazing, an amazing job at taking care of the hurt and the down and outers. and They're able to engage in brokenness and, and all of that. They do so much good for those who are who have fallen through the cracks of society. But when it comes to uptime, worship is dry. Perhaps it kind of feels like they just go through the motions. Because of this deficiency, you know, the, the, the power source, the, the, the power source, the, the breath of life is is missing. Jesus spent time with the Father. He invested in his disciples. He reached out to the world. And so as we reflect on up, in, and out this morning, a really key and core idea here is balance. Balance. We, we don't want to wobble. And so as a, as a framework here at Plymouth Meeting Church, uh, as pastor working with ministry council and the commissions and the committees uh, and all of that, we don't want to wobble. Ministry Council helps us to operate through these three dimensions. They are administrators to help care and tend to these areas. So I hope you've appreciated uh, learning about some of the, the, the Jesus-shaped structure that goes on behind the scenes of, of like what we want to do, what we hope to do as Plymouth Meeting Church. But now I just want to encourage all of you to consider the dimensions of up in and out in your own life. In my experience, people typically favor two, and there's a third one that kind of scuffles along. It's like a, the, the runt of the family. It's just kind of, it's trying to keep up. Are you in balance? Are you wobbly? Consider the dimensions of up, in, and out in your own life. Is there an area you feel you're like, yes, that's the one. I, I, need, I need more fuel there. I need more time in this area. I, I need help elevating that. I have some diagnostic questions I, I want to run by you. Some of them might be challenging. Do you prioritize prayer and Bible time? 
Are you living in God's peace? Do you rest enough? Do you have a thankful heart? How's your quality time with your family? Do you enjoy gathering with God's people? Have you learned anything new recently from other Christians? Is somebody counting on you to fulfill a ministry responsibility? Do you have compassion for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet? Do you have a servant's heart? Have you teamed up with others to extend the kingdom of God? Are you ashamed of the gospel? These three dimensions, again, it's it's a tool. It's a tool. These three dimensions help me calibrate. Because when I get out of balance, there are consequences. There's repercussions. And usually I don't notice it right away. I don't notice my my own wobble. Let me say that again. Sometimes I don't notice my own wobble. Eventually I do. Because eventually there's a concoction of, of thoughts and emotions and, and uh, you know, maybe I'm just physically tired, mentally tired, spiritually tired, whatever the case may be. I start to feel drained. Okay? A, a mental, spiritual, emotional, physical dishevelment. Soul dizziness. Okay? If we, if we wobble enough, we'll get out of balance. We'll get disoriented. Our posture is affected. If our posture is affected, then our gestures are affected. And we're a wobbly mess. Up and out, it applies to our personal life, our family life. It applies to institutional life. And so, as a call to action today, as we face giants, I would like you to consider what the next appropriate step God might be leading you as you participate in the life of this church. And you know what? I don't even think you have to be super specific. Don't think too hard. But simply just as a framework of up, in, and out, is there an area that God is giving you a wink and a nod? A wink and a nod. Like, hey, you know what? Yeah. I want to be a part of outreach here. I want to be a part of the worship life. Whatever, whatever that means, I, I don't even know yet, but I just like, I, I want to be a part of it. I want to encourage you. In the gathering place today, I want everyone, everyone here, this whole room, I want everyone to go to the gathering place after our time here this morning. And there's sign-up sheets, right? A non-threatening sign-up sheet is over there and it's waiting for you. And we're not asking you to commit to anything yet. We just want to give you the opportunity to respond. And we're letting you know, hey, there's more. You don't have to be a church member. It's just a simple opportunity to put your name down on a piece of paper and let your church leaders know that, hey, you're on their radar and you're willing to give something a try. And I am so thankful 
for all of you. Some of you do a ton. We are better together. We are co-missioned together as Plymouth Meeting Church. Amen? Let's pray.